Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. We're talking today, second part, part number two, on apes and peacocks, the extravagance of Solomon. We're going to talk about all the things he tried to get happy and yet couldn't get happiness, and toward the very end of his life, finally woke up to this, trust in the Lord from your youth. Wow, uh, years and years of spending massive amounts of money and trying to find peace and trying to find happiness, he finally came to this, I should have been looking to the Word of God the entire time. You don't need to wait till the end of your life to find out that God gives you great peace in life. Let's go to the Word of God together and find out more about apes and peacocks. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Welcome back to Student of the Word. And we began teaching a series yesterday, which will go on today and we'll finish it today, called Apes and Peacocks, talking about Solomon's extravagance in life. Second Chronicles chapter 9 is the verses we used. And there was two sections to this particular chapter, chapter 9. The first part talking about the Queen of Sheba that came to see him was just bowled over, knocked over, incredibly impressed by the wisdom that came out of this man. She left a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second half of this chapter talks about with all that wisdom, how that Solomon didn't use it. God would rather, like David, his father, you have some amount of wisdom and you use it rather than have a ton of wisdom like Solomon did and not use it. Solomon had all this wisdom, but yet he didn't use it that much. Jesus didn't compliment Solomon for the use of his wisdom. He just complimented Solomon for all the wisdom he had. And Jesus said, there has not been a more wise man uh, in this earth and Solomon next to me. Next to me, Solomon was the wisest man that ever existed. Everybody knew that. But Solomon was a man that wasn't satisfied or happy inside of himself. He kept thinking there's got to be something else to life. And he searched for it for years and years and years, uh, seeking everything. We're going to talk about that today in the broadcast. And so uh, Solomon wrote a great book called Proverbs. But the sad thing is, is with all that wisdom, he didn't use much of it. I mean, he'd married women and and there were women that weren't even believers and, and they were uh, king's daughters from around the world. And he had a he had a thousand women, 700 wives, 300 mistresses of all different religions. And they took his heart away from God. And he might have had all that wisdom. But it wasn't until the end of his life that he literally came back to God and admitted all the problems that he had in his life and repented for those things, but it was very, very late in life. In fact, let's read here in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 30 is where we left off. It says that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his father, was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. We have here an example of David as a great man of God. His son wasn't quite as good, and his grandson, who was Solomon's son, was the worst of all of them, split the kingdom, right? You know, and the 10 tribes went of the north, were separated from the two tribes of the south. And this is how the kingdom of Israel went on for years and years and years again. And I believe it started not with David, it started actually with Solomon, who did not leave that great of an example in front of his son, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam just looked at the amount of riches that his father had and wanted to compound that and even get more than his father had. So Solomon spent the money of others for his own pursuit of happiness. Again, the book that I'm offering is uh, my book on the book of Proverbs to show you how, uh, how much wisdom that he actually had. But then the other book that I mentioned yesterday, that, that's the one we're offering. But if you would like a book that'll go along with that and show you the wisdom of David, it's called Leadership Secrets of David the King. And I think this is a great book, a supplement to it. So when you 
order that one, but go and also look up this book and get it. I think it'll be a great blessing to you to show you that although David didn't have as much wisdom as his son Solomon, what he didn't know and what the mistakes he made, he was quick to repent. This is what made David so great. What makes you so great? The fact that you do sin, yes, but you're quick to repent for it. None of us are sinless but we do sin less as we walk with God more and more. But the point of it is, is when we do sin, we should be quick to confess it, quick to bring it before God. Even as David with uh, with Bathsheba, his wife and her husband, Uriah the Hittite that he killed, the baby that died, all the carnality that went around that. The moment David heard the story of the ewe lamb, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. I mean, he didn't make excuses for it, didn't try to pass the buck and blame somebody else for it. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And of course, the uh, prophet Nathan said to him, son, he said, your sins are forgiven and you will not die. Immediately his sins were forgiven and David would go on and reign for longer in Israel. But again, we have Solomon as the one we're talking about here. Again, much more wisdom than his father, David, but much less use of it. So again, Solomon spent the money of others for his own pursuit of happiness. We talked about it in the previous uh, lessons yesterday how that Solomon, with all the money he had, spent it on useless things. Uh, we're told about the fact that he uh, you know, made a, uh, uh, shields on the walls and they, were look, they look like for battle, but they were made out of gold and beaten gold. You don't make shields out of gold. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no strength to it. And so again, they're made out of other things such as iron or something like that. They may be heavy, but in this case, he just did them for show and had over a thousand shields on the wall made out of beaten gold. And then also he had just other things around. He built a, uh, he built a throne out of ivory and then covered it with gold. How uncomfortable could that be to sit on ivory? There was nothing comfortable about it. It wasn't for comfort. It was for looks. He had 12 lions that were made out of gold standing around them. Like I said, no other nation had all these things, but he just had to outdo all nations around. He was looking for a happiness or joy and trying to buy it with money, but money will not buy happiness. Only trusting in God will bring true happiness. And then out of true happiness, God can bless you with finances. He can trust you with it. So Solomon spent the money of others for his own pursuit of happiness. Ecclesiastes is a book that he wrote. It's a depressing book of all that Solomon tried looking for happiness. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, we find that this carnal man tried all these things to be happy when he had the secret to happiness, even in his own heart, he didn't walk in the wisdom that he had. Money and all it could buy didn't provide Solomon with peace at all. Turn with me to Song of Solomon. This also is a depressing book about Solomon in his own personal life and how depressed he was seeking after things to bring him happiness. In Song of Solomon chapter three, this is back there in your Bible where the pages are white and still stuck together. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter three, verses seven and eight says this, behold the bed of Solomon. 60 valiant men are around it, the most valiant in Israel. They all hold swords being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh because of fear in the night. This talks about when Solomon went to bed at night. Your King James and other translations, a few of them said, behold the bed of Solomon. But this, this word is also translated as chariot. It's also translated as a couch. But the number one definition, when you look this word up, the number one definition is bed. And so many translators say, well, I don't know if that a bed could be that large. Think about this for just a moment. 
It says here it has to be a bed because they, they, everyone that stood around there was to guard him because of fear in the night. This was Solomon's fear in the night. He was afraid he was going to be attacked and people were going to steal what he had. So he surrounded the bed. Notice who he surrounded the bed with. 60 valiant men, the most valiant in Israel. These men were graduates of ROTC. They probably graduated from other military academies. I mean, the finest in the country. These guys were 4.0. They were the finest, most valiant. And the moment they graduated from whatever, Whatever place they went to, whatever military school they went to, they probably thought they were going to be sent to the front lines. They were going to go get to fight the enemy. And the most valiant were separated and they stood around the king's bed all night long. 60 of them. Imagine that. 60 around a bed, four square bed. Can you imagine that would be 15 at the head, 15 at the foot and 15 on each side with enough room that they needed to grab their sword. They had room to get to the sword. Can you imagine how big that bed must have been? I mean, Solomon must have crawled in at one end and crawled all the way to the bed to get to where he was supposed to just to lay there. And even then he couldn't sleep in the night. Can you imagine about three in the morning as these men are standing there, they've been standing there since probably nine or 10 o'clock the night before. And they're standing there and they're getting tired, but they're looking at each other saying, well, where'd you graduate from? Well, I graduated from here. I thought I'd go to battle. I thought I'd go to battle too. And they're saying, well, what what are we doing standing here around the king's bed? And suddenly from the bed, they could hear a voice saying, I heard that. Why? Because Solomon wasn't asleep. He was listening to all they were saying and he fought trying his best to get them or to get sleep and to bring peace to himself. In verse eight, again, it says, they all hold swords being experts in war. These men were created for battle, not for standing around the king's bed. Every man had his sword on his thigh because of Solomon's fear in the night. Look at chapter five of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5, take a look at verses 11 through 13. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats a little or much, but the abundance of the rich man will not allow him to sleep. This is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners of it turned to their hurt. He said, if all you're seeking after is money, you never have enough. And on top of that, the money that you use and buy all these riches around you, it eventually turns to your own hurt. He says here again, because this is an evil under the sun. When you try to buy them to make yourself happy, then you start realizing more hurt comes with it than happiness. I could lose all this. Somebody wants to steal it from me. So instead of living in joy over what you own, you live in fear of losing what you own. Philippians chapter four and verse seven promises us there, the peace of God, which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this, we can have what Solomon didn't have. And our guard is the peace of God, which passes all understanding, all comprehension. And the word it will keep your hearts is actually the same word here for guard. We have a guard that stands beside us and he guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God wants your mind surrounded by one soldier, his most valiant and the most valiant is peace. And this is the one thing that Solomon did not have was peace on the inside because he sought after everything else except the word of God and trust in God. Solomon's soldiers guarded his body 60 of them, but our one guards our hearts and our minds. Peace is our sentry that stands beside us and guards us as we trust in God. And again, 
he didn't have it. Solomon looked for everything. Let me just give you an exhaustive list for just a moment of what all that uh, he tried to do. An exhaustive list of how Solomon spent his money, and this is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, again, is a book that I told you, if you're feeling way too happy and you just feel like you need a little depression to make up for it, go to the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll read one chapter, close and go, good Lord, that's the most, I mean, I, I was depressed just reading the thing. And here we have all the different things that Solomon tried for years to try to bring peace and enjoyment to his life. And yet he had all the wisdom to tell him what to do, but he didn't depend on his wisdom. He kept saying, well, if the world does this and if other people do this, there must be something to it. So he went and tried it thinking, I've been all my life living in a Christian home. I have a Christian for a dad, a Christian for a mom. All I heard was the word of God and my and my father told me and my brothers told me and I lived here all my life. And you know what? Now that I have all this money, I think I'm gonna try everything else except God and see what I'm missing. And he found out by the end of his life, he wasn't missing anything except depression. And he could have had peace and joy throughout his entire lifetime. The first thing he tried in chapter one of Ecclesiastes was education. And this is found in chapter one, verses 12 through 18, but also chapter three talks about the education that he had. So he sought the finest universities. He sought the finest teachers. In fact, he probably brought them in and they taught him philosophy and all these other things about other nations. His wives who were also uh, members of other religions from around the world that he brought them in, married these king's daughters who were different types of pagans, all brought their own thing. And after a while, he became so confused and then began to doubt the things of God, and he brings that out in this chapter. So he tried education in chapter one, verses 12 through 18, and also in chapter three. We're going to take a break here as we're coming up, and you'll talk about the book that I have offered for you for this particular broadcast. But we'll take up here when we come back. First of all, was education. Next of all, we're going to talk about he went after pleasure like nobody else has ever gone after pleasure. See you right after the break. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. Attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Ending discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. Godly promotion seems always to come in steps. Slow growth allows us to learn valuable lessons on the way up, so once we reach the top, we can stay there and truly enjoy the benefits of success. It took many years from the time that David was anointed king until he became king of Israel. Those who advance too quickly because of their own efforts and talents often find the descent quicker than the ascent. Pastor Bob Yandian has based this book, Leadership Secrets of David the King, on Psalm 131, which reveals the secrets of David's successful leadership that he learned while ruling as king over Israel. To order The Leadership Secrets of David the King, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
This teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. As I think back over the extravagance of Solomon, I think the apes and peacocks stand out the most is that he went around the world and actually had in people from around the world bring in things that were not native to his homeland there in Israel. And apes and peacocks had to be just a show of extravagance, just how far he went to impress people, and yet how far he went in his own life to try to purchase or to have uh, happiness and freedom in his own life and not be so depressed. He was looking for peace in his life, and peace comes from the Word of God. Peace comes by, first of all, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And again, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. But then there's also a peace that comes by studying God's word and applying God's word to your life. And grace and peace can be multiplied in that particular case. So the peace that comes to you can keep on growing in your life while through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. So again, we have the fact that peace is such an important part of life, but peace comes by simply following after God. Doing something right produces peace and what's right is what's found in the word of God. But Solomon tried everything. So we went come back again to in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses 12 through 18, he tried education and he tried every form of education in chapter three. In fact, he goes back to uh, education again when we come to chapter seven, he will be trying more education there. So he kept coming back to this thinking, if I have all this wisdom that comes from the Bible, then what about uh, you know wisdom that comes from other places? So he began to begin with education. Education again was found in chapter one, verses 12 through 18. And then also in chapter three, education is brought out. He tried everything he could, every studying effort, philosopher, studying science, studying all these different things. Next of all, in chapter two, boy, what a break you took in chapter two in verses one through 11, pleasure and partying. Sounds like a college student, does it? Education, study, 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 and that night, pleasure, partying all night long, back the next day, you know, studying again for your tests and cramming for a test, all this stuff. That's what he did. And he just poured himself into education. And then he poured himself into pleasure and partying. One thing I do want to point out to you is everything he did cost tons of money. He brought in the finest educators. They came from the finest universities. And the pleasure and the partying he had, he spared no expense in it. And probably his parties involved thousands of people being invited. People he didn't even know. Walking through groups of people, he had no idea who they were. But again, he was everybody's friend as long as he had all this money and paying for it. And so in chapter four, he went to work at a job. You say, well, that sounds odd. No, he actually went to work having a job. He thought, well, maybe these people that have jobs, they look like they're happy. So he went and got a job. That didn't bring him happiness. He tried getting as many friends as possible, but money can't buy friends. He tried his best to get as many friends, but you know what? Again, he didn't know hardly any of them. And also he tried popularity. He just thought I'll be popular with everybody. So he probably bought things for people. He became very popular, but not because he was Solomon. He was popular because he bought things for people. This is found in chapter four, a whole chapter on a job that he had, trying his best to get friends, trying himself to be popular, pushing to be popular, and it didn't work. In chapters five and six, he built building projects. He took his riches and kept getting more riches and more riches, so he decided he would have building projects. Thought this, well, you know, when people leave the earth and they're gone, they're remembered for things, statues, 
buildings. So he probably built the Solomon Memorial Library, the Solomon Memorial Hospital, Solomon Memorial Office buildings. I mean, everything around town had Solomon's name on it. And he tried his best. And in every single case, he came back to the same thing. It, it didn't bring happiness. So that's chapters five and six of all the riches that he spent on building projects and libraries and hospitals. Next of all, in chapter seven, he came back to education again. He got more degrees, but also in chapter seven, the partying went right along with it, just as it did in the first case where he went for education and then had parties. And he had his 1,000 women. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. I mean, you think about that for just a moment. If he slept with a different one every night, he had like two years and seven or eight months worth of women before he started all over again. I just have to imagine him waking up one morning and there was this beautiful woman beside him. He says, hi, what was your name again? So she gives her name. He says, well, how was it for you? He said, well, I think it was wonderful. He said, well, I think it's wonderful too. He says, tell you what, I'll see you two years, seven months and 19 days from now, I'll see you again. That's how much it would take to go through 1,000 women if he had one a night. And he had different choices, 700 wives, 300 mistresses. If he decided he wanted to sleep with a wife tonight, he had 700 choices. If he decided, I don't want to sleep with a wife, I just want to sleep with some mistress, he had 300 of those. So again, we find out the extravagance again, but can you imagine if each one of these women had a bedroom, can their wardrobe, all this stuff, how much money did it take to support 1,000 women when a bunch of them might want to go on a shopping spree? Can you imagine how much money it cost? And so by the end of that, we come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and Solomon is just drained. What is the results of Solomon's searching? Again, all this money, all this push, all this effort into his life to try to find happiness when it was just as simple as put your trust in God, trust in his word and happiness will just be a part of your life. Peace will automatically find you. What he said in chapter one and every chapter after, after he tried everything, every time he tried something, he would say this, everything is vanity. Empty cycles. Chapter one, he said, life is vanity and empty cycles. The sun goes up, the sun goes down, the waves come in, the waves go out. Life, after he looked at everything, after his party, he would sit and look at things and realize something, life just goes on. Life is just empty cycles. Sun coming up, going down, waves coming in, waves going out. Chapter three, he found this out. Everything in life has a season. There's a child born at the same time somebody's dying. A building is being built up, another one being torn down. Another one is making life. Another thing is killing it. Turn and dancing in one respect, mourning in another. In education, Solomon became an evolutionist. Did you know that? In chapter three and verse 19 and 20, he said this, we think all this stuff is new. And when he said, even Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. The things we see happening today and the things we think came back, you know, that were just, you know, came out in, in a book a few hundred years ago or 40 or 50 years ago when we think about in education evolution. No, what we find out here, it was alive back then. Solomon said in chapter three and verse 19, what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them as one die, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. That is not true. We do not have all one breath. Man's breath is different than animal's breath. But he says there, they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals. This is what he said. He said, 
and for all his vanity. Man does have advantage over animals. God said it in the garden. He made man here and man is supposed to subdue the planet and over all the animals. Again, not to abuse animals, but they're here for our dress. They're here for our clothing. They're here for our food. He goes on to say in that verse of scripture, he said, man has no advantage over animals for all his vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dirt and all return to the dirt. All return to dust. That is not true. Our bodies came from the dust. Animals' bodies came from the dust. But man goes to an eternal place. If he knows God, he goes to heaven. If he doesn't know God, he ends up in hell and eventually the lake of fire. He got so wrapped up in this whole thing. Education taught him, you're just an animal. Animals are just like you. And he fell for that thing. Chapter 12, what was the final conclusion? In chapter 12, verse one, verse 13 and 14, he says this in verse one, at the finding at the end of his life, he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before difficult days come. Wow, what an amazing thing. Verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments for this is all of man's will for God. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. He came to this at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes after trying all these other things. And again, I bring it back to you. Where did Solomon get all this money? Again, you say, well, Solomon was wise. All the money came in because of wisdom. No, no, no. Second Chronicles chapter nine. We were just there. I want to go back to a couple of verses, verse 13 and 14. And here it declares where his gold came from. The weight of gold in verse 13, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, verse 14, besides what the traveling merchants and traders brought. Verse 14 says he had money coming in massively from business and international traders who paid for Solomon's extravagance. But the previous verse, how did he get all that? The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly came from the people. He taxed the citizens of Jerusalem and Israel to pay for his extravagance. What am I telling you? Nothing has changed. People are being taxed today in our own nation around the world, but often for the extravagance of those who are running government. This is where we come up with $100 a pint ice cream. This is where we come up with so much stuff that's spent on, and you wonder why all this stuff, and we're the one who have to pay for it. And when Solomon saw that he needed more things, he just raised the taxes and raised the taxes. How do we know this? Because after he died, notice what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, the next chapter. Turn there with me and take a look at verses 3 through seven. And it said, they sent for him. Rehoboam was called on by the elders of the people when he first took the kingdom and they called him. And Jeroboam and all Israel, that's the citizens, came and spoke to Rehoboam saying, your father made our yoke heavy. The first thing he did was he brought in the people of Israel to talk to him from Jerusalem. And they told him, take the taxes away. We are being taxed into the ground. If you do that, we'll be happy with you. Then he brought in the leadership that was under his father, Solomon's uh, men that helped him run the kingdom. And in verse four, it says, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burden and the service of your father and his heavy yoke, which put on us and we will serve you. So he said to them, come back after three days and the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father, Solomon. And they said, how do you advise me to answer these people? They spoke to him saying, if you're kind to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. What happened? 
Well, Rehoboam, listen to this. The people said he taxed us so heavily to live this way. And then the elders came in and said, be nice to these people. Your father was evil to these people. And he just kept pushing for more and more taxes on them. And then finally what happened? It says in verse eight through 11, Rehoboam listened to his friends he had known since childhood and taxed the people worse and became wicked to the people of Israel. He eventually caused a national split into the 10 northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah. Rehoboam wanted to be wealthier, more powerful than his father Solomon. The love of money is never satisfied and never has enough money. The love of money does not bring love toward God or peace from God. And this is what Solomon tried. He tried with all the money he had and couldn't purchase anything that he needed because why? The things of God are free. They come by grace, by simply receiving Jesus as your savior, you have peace. And by walking in his word, you have increased peace day after day. And you can have the things that Solomon never had. And that peace will help bring prosperity into your life because God can trust you with all the wonderful things he has given to you. Be blessed. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.